Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Mikey Kurana. And I am doing that thing I do. Welcome to episode 222, Ultimate Jeopardy, 1996. What is ECW? Where is ECW? 2900 Arena? (laughs) Philadelphia. Uh, Yeah, it's in Philadelphia. (laughs) So this is the second Ultimate Jeopardy produced by ECW. It would take place on October 5th, 1996 from the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania with an attendance of 1,200 people. A little bit uh, lower than our last Philly show. Still, still hanging from the rafters. 11,800 people less. Oh, oh, Last week was Philly. Last week was in Philly. Oh, yeah. Okay. 13,000 strong. Last Philly show, I was like, ECW show. I was like, this is, this is what they can hold. Uh, I forgot already about mind games. mind games. Slipped your mind. But it shouldn't have. I shouldn't have. Mm-mm. We like the show. So, Shane, we're still in Philadelphia. Boy, are we ever. Did you do that thing that you do? I did. I did that thing I do. I doing that thing I do. <laughs> yeah. This joke will make much more sense here in about five minutes. It mm-hmm. will. And, you know, the booze will be kicking in by then, too, hopefully. Yeah, we are in Philly, and it's ECW, and we were in Philly last week, and I made up those cheesy fries, crab fries, I guess technically is what they're called. This week, I figured we need to have a cocktail. It's ECW. ECW is always better with some booze. And so I looked up, as I tend to do, drinks that are inspired from this show. I went the easy route and found a pretty drink. I just looked up drinks with Philly in the name. It is pretty. Yeah, it's a nice a nice uh, red chartreuse. Is that a red color? No, chartreuse is like blue or green or something. I don't know my colors, but this is a nice uh, yeah. a nice red hue, deep it's, red. Yeah, it's it's yeah, like a nice bruise. <laughs> this one it's here. Like JR's eye. <laughs> this one here is called the Philly Smash. It is kind of a play on an old-fashioned, in a way, I guess, technically. It has some uh, mixed berries. I went for blackberry and raspberry. Muddled up a few of those in each glass with some simple syrup. It called for some rye whiskey, and I thought we had more whiskey, and we did not. So I had to mix a little whiskey and brandy together in this one. that's, Um, That's not a million miles away. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's ECW, so we're just taking what we can find and throwing it all together and hoping for the best. Oh, um, we know it. <laughs> it's got the, this concoction anyways, has the Jack Daniels mixed with some brandy. There is some Campari in there as well, and a little bit of lime juice. And just because we were short on the alcohol side of it, I added a little bit of club soda just to top off the glass. It's it's really it's, nice. Yeah, it's got it's a good. it's got a whiskey warmth to it. It has the berries in there that and the slight bitter of the nicely. Campari because yeah. Campari, you know, you can go too much Campari and it'll be like fuck. Yeah, 
Right. And this one, the original recipe called for Averna, which it described Averna as licorice and bitter with like some citrusiness to it. And that's kind of the, the, the essence of bitters, but bitters has more of the citrus than it does the licorice flavor to it. But then there's the Campari that a lot of times people will say has a licorice taste to it. So it seemed like a, a good substitution. I mean, yeah, this is one of the, I think, better cocktails we've had in a while. Yes, especially Isn't... for ECW, because normally it's like, what fucked up thing can I find to put in the glass that it's gonna blow job, guys. tastes like oh, Sandman? I forgot about that one. That was awful. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely not the the salt lick thing that we had that one show with the... Brain damage. The brain, the brain damage was better than that salt lick. I don't remember what the hell it was. I think it was a, a WCW show that we did that one for. The bull shot. The bull shot. Bull shot. Bull shot. Was was like, I don't remember salt lake. Yeah, the yeah, bull it shot. Just, it just tasted like a salt lake. Like it's tough beef. No, the brain, the brain damage salted. just didn't look appealing. No, it yeah. tasted fine. But... Yeah. No, this one like yeah, this looks nice. Looks nice. And Drinking it through nice. a straw mm-hmm. on this one is not uh, the wise choice though, because you get yeah, nothing but pulp. Oh like yeah, you're getting all the berries. Yep. Seeds. But yeah, it's got a, a good warmth to it. There's a kick of the, the lime in there to brighten things up. The berries have a good flavor mixed with the the combination of whiskey and and brandy. Yeah. I'm 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 pleasantly pleased with yeah. this. Uh, Some of your finest smash. finest work, especially working uh back to back with a mixed release. with a mixed bag of uh, ingredients. Pulled yep. it off quite well. Woo! Well speaking of a mixed bag Let's talk about some things that happened right around the same time as the show. Mm-hmm. A variety of films would release the same weekend. Bound. <laughs> D3. The Mighty Ducks. No more Mighty Ducks. God damn. The Glimmer Man. And That Thing You Do. Uh, that Thing You Do. I've seen two of these. Not sure if I've ever seen D3. But I know I saw D1 and D2. I feel like I had to have seen D3. I think I saw every 90s sports movie as a kid in the theater. I want to say I've seen this one, but I'm trying to remember because I'm kind of that same thing. I know I've seen the first two for sure. It's when they go off to the prep school. Okay, I don't think I saw that. It may have just been too long since I've seen this one that I'm struggling to remember. Yeah, it probably was Is this where he's dating Charlie's mom or... I think that's... Pacey's mom from Dawson's Creek. I think his name was Charlie in the movie. Remember. Yeah. But we're, there's better movies, obviously, sitting here. Yes. In uh, Bound, a movie that uh, I love. I'm a big fan of the Wachowskis, and I think Bound is a wonderful little I mean, entertaining Estev- film. Estevez isn't in it for very long. He's like in the first like scene or something. Uh, oh, then maybe I haven't seen this one. I don't think I have. And then uh, That Thing You Do, a VH1 classic. I mean, this thing played all the time. I didn't realize that it was 96. I thought it was a little later than that. Nope. But uh, this is one of those movies, if it's on TV, you just pick it up. And I think feel like most people probably saw it on TV. I never even realized that, in my mind, it's not even like a movie that came out in the theater. <laughs> is it the first Tom Hanks-directed film? Yeah. Yes. Is it the only Tom Hanks-directed film? Don't mm, believe so. Well, maybe motion picture, but he's directed... Other TV. things. He's yeah. directed other things. Yeah, like he has stuff. hand in Band of Brothers. And, um, yeah, Bound, was that Jennifer Tilly and Gina, Gina Grishon? And Kat. Gilly Pants. Cat. Make sure I was remembering the right one, because I remember Bound was... He also directed Larry Crown. 
Oh, uh, yeah. I forgot about that one. Yeah, Bound was one that, during the Blockbuster days, it was a, a hot commodity, all two copies of it that we had, because it's, you know, it has 90s lesbian movie. Jennifer Tilly and Jane Gershon looking hot. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, doing girly stuff. I'm trying to remember Glimmer Man. I don't know Glimmer Man. Glimmer Man's a Steven Seagal movie. Okay, uh, that's why I don't remember Glimmer Man. I think I've only seen I think I gave Under up on Siege 2. Film and uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans. Oh, okay, I do remember the box for that one, because I was thinking it was a Wayans Brothers one. But They're basically cops, and they're trying to solve a serial killer named the Family Man. He's so he's not called the Glimmer Man? You would think. You would think, right? It sounds like, yeah, that's a Seagal movie. Just when you think it should make sense, it doesn't. He has Brian Cox and oh yeah, Brian Cox is in everything though. He's he's that he was a B, I mean, a B movie villain for true. the majority of his career. Yeah, he's been in everything. <laughs> yeah, Glimmer Man. I never felt I the need to the, see that one. I think it was the first one when you could notice that Seagal had started gaining weight. See, Executive Decision was the last Seagal movie I think I willingly watched, and that was just because spoiler, it's almost thirty years later, but. He gets killed in the first five minutes of the movie, so it's the best Steven Seagal movie ever. <laughs> but yeah, that thing you do, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Tom Hanks, Steve Zahn, Steve yeah. Zahn, Lord praise Steve Zahn. I can't think of his damn name. Ethan Embry, not him. Jonathan Shit or Sh- however Shish. you pronounce his last yeah. name. Christina Applegate's ex-husband. Shirley Theron, Tom Everett Scott. Yes, Tom Sefer Scott. That's who it is. Old glasses. Shades. Yeah, it's... Peter Scullery. It's great. You can't Kevin go wrong. Hollick. The soundtrack is amazing. It's still on constant rotation on my, yep. my playlist. Mine too. I know all the songs to it. I sing along with all of them. <laughs> even the, the girl band ones because they've got some, some catchy damn songs on that soundtrack. It's definitely an easy and satisfying watch. I haven't ran it back in quite a while but seeing it here I'm like oh, that sounds nice also I haven't watched Bound in a while either I haven't watched Bound since 1996 so mm, it's good uh, it's good it's fun it's a tight tight thriller it was a good movie it uh, it was also one of those where it was like yep I'm gay <laughs> <laughs> the uh yeah the fun thing about Bound is that the Wachowskis were like alright we want to make this movie The Matrix and they're like cool but you have to prove it first because like this is a lot of money and very technical thing so they made bound and it was basically just a test to see if they could make a movie and then so it was they weren't even worried about particularly worried about how much it made like it did okay or whatever but they're like we just need to make sure that you are capable so we'll give you some money to make something small to show us what you can do and they made this really yeah this yeah <laughs> this tight little movie that i feel like when people bring up the wachowskis they don't necessarily talk about this one roger ebert gave it a 100 really yeah wow that rules i mean like i said it's a I mean, it's a solid tight movie you can't yeah. really get you can't like you can't really poke any holes in it or whatever it's just I mean, like it's, it's several good. different genres of yeah. a film like there's it's not like everyone basically remembers it for the lesbian. It's it's kind of like how I talked about last week with Charlize Theron. Like the people, reason people remember Two Days in a Valley was because she got naked in it. People, the movie's good. The reason the people remember Bound is because Jennifer Tilly and Jenny Gashan have lesbian sex. But there is a 
movie around that that rules that is very good (laughs) yeah i mean it's yeah it's a it's like got noir vibes and thriller vibes and erotic thriller vibes and then it is very uh there's a there's a lot of tension heist yeah gangsters Mm -hmm. there's funny moments yeah but the tension is very palpable in that movie when people are trying to hide things from people you are uh, very nervous about them getting caught which is means you're doing something right and who doesn't love joe pampliano joe pants love him i gotta look at the cast for mighty ducks who all was in that one was it the the usual players i mean it was the most the same most the same crew except for emilio pole day emilio uh, basically at the beginning of the movie he's like i'm going to coach the junior goodwill games yeah. Which basically he was like, I'll show up for a day on set. It was uh, or like you know a couple days, kind of pulling like a Heston and Planet of the Apes two. I'm sure plenty of other people yeah. in sequels, but that's the first one that came to mind. Yeah, I don't think I saw this one because I don't remember them going to a prep school. But it's also been a long time since I've watched anything Mighty Ducks related, so. I mean, if I didn't see it and I was a more appropriate age for a Mighty Ducks movie, you probably totally skipped it. Yeah. <laughs> Most likely it was, I, was, I don't even remember if it came into the theaters or if it was just straight it, to video. That was going to be my question. It, like, it doesn't sound like it, it was in the theaters, Mighty Ducks 3, but, you know, I mean, it was a big enough $22 million to the box office. Okay, so Damn. it had like two weeks in the theater and then it was done. For a, for a third movie off of, like in a sports thing, twenty-two million is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it should have never, <laughs> never, should should never have gotten, existed. Never should have gotten a third one. Yeah, no, but I mean, it did have a some standout people on there. Joshua Jackson, he's managed to stay. I mean, if you go through that cast of the kids, like they've all gone on to yeah. not to be big stars, but like yeah, I mean, the two the two biggest are going to be him and Keenan. I mean, some of the the girls have have had different roles in TV shows and stuff like that. What else they, do we got? I don't say they're successfully, but... Had a career. Had a career, but... Yeah. They're still working. I guess it depends on how you define success. You're working. You know, how many people are trying to be actors and actresses, so... There's lots of them. And then Glimmer Man was... I don't know. I never saw it, didn't have a... If you if you like if you like Keenan Ivory Wayans, it's fun. Yeah, I do have a buddy cop movie, good or bad. It is uh, something that I can, if I'm in the mood, I can handle most most buddy cop films, even if they're I mean, bad. It, it is still a Steven Seagal movie, but mm-hmm. at least you get the fun, the Keenan Ivory Wayans mm-hmm. fun in it. And see, a lot of times he has yeah, Seagal will have a good supporting character to to make the the rest of the movie interesting for you. It can't be much worse than Bulletproof. No. <laughs> well, let's find out what this Ultimate Jeopardy is all about. Let's do it. And we go straight to our first match. Doug Furness versus Louis Spicoli. Yes! I've been talking about wanting to see it. Here it is. Yep. Let's go. So Louis extends a hand, but Furness just shows him the bird. So the fans start chanting... Fuck him up, Louie. Fuck him up. Doug uses his power early on, knocking Spicoli out of the ring with a shoulder block. But Louie comes back into the ring with a sunset flip. Only for Furnace to stay up 
and punched down, where Spicoli has moved to avoid and nails a spinebuster, which Doug just kips up out of to no sell. Hell yeah, dude. Furnace with a knee lift, chops and kicks, before delivering a power slam and a leg drop for a two count. Doug goes for a slam, only for Louis to counter it into a small package for a near fall, with Furnace pummeling Spicoli once he makes it back to his feet. Doug hits a running clothesline in a corner for a two count, followed by strikes, with Louis trying to fire up, sending Furnace to the ropes and getting him up into a fireman's carry, only for Doug to slip out and nail a Frankensteiner, but he refuses to make a cover. Furnace keeps up the attack with multiple vicious lariats. He goes for a three-point stance, only for Louis to catch him and drop Doug with a Spicoli driver for the pin. And, and the win. win. That's what you get, Furnace, for trying to big dog him. Yep. Should have made that damn cover. I mean, it's kind of what you wanted out of this, these guys. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing something longer, but psychology, big moves. There was even a corner break in an ECW match. <laughs> we then go to our second match. JT Smith with the FBI of Little Guido and Sal Balamo, Devin Storm, and Bad Crew of Dog and Rose. Versus Mikey Whipwreck. Because everyone knows you need five people to take on Mikey Whipwreck. Of course. I mean, maybe he's back to winning on a fluke. And all five guys surround Mikey in the ring. But he takes them all on. Only for the numbers to catch up with him. They're beating down Whipwreck when the ref kicks everyone out. Leaving a very hurt Mikey for Smith. JT goes for a vertical suplex. But Whipwreck counters it into a head scissors. Several arm drags and a dropkick. Mikey is sent to the ropes, where Devin looks to trip him up, but fails. So Whipwreck is able to arm drag Smith once again. JT sends Mikey to the ropes once more, with Storm and Guido succeeding in tripping him this time. So Whipwreck turns and flies over the ropes with a slingshot somersault senton out onto them both. Hell yeah. Devin and little Guido start having an argument as everyone makes it back to their feet, while Smith comes out with a baseball slide, only for Mikey to avoid, so Storm and Guido get sent into a guardrail. Now Devin and Bad Crew have issues with the FBI, allowing Whipwreck to climb to the top turnbuckle to fly out with the crossbody. Easy dope. I'm liking this, uh, I mean, the Mikey's always the underdog, but him uh, dealing with being outnumbered well and just flipping around. It's, it's fun. This is this is good Mikey stuff. Love to see it. Mikey returns to the ring while JT makes his way to the apron, where Whipwreck goes to slingshot him in. But Smith catches him with a shot, knocking Mikey down to the mat. JT then follows up with a body slam and a Sicilian splash. It was like a handspring into the ropes and then falling onto his opponent for a two count. Smith with chops and chokes before going out to the floor to grab a chair. But Whipwreck hits a drop kick through the ropes into the chair into JT. Mikey then leaps off the top with a Franken Mikey onto the concrete before rolling Smith back in and delivering a slingshot neck snap. Whipwreck then springboards off of JT out onto the bad crew. But this allows Guido and Storm to beat Mikey down before rolling him back in where Smith makes a one-handed cover for several two counts. I mean, this is the Mikey show. 
He's just like, yeah, I can do it. JT with shoulder blocks and chops, but he charges into a big boot, allowing Whipwreck to hit a tornado DDT, <gasps> making the cover, only for Bad Crew to break it up as little Guido distracts the ref. Smith heads up top now, while Bad Crew sends Mikey to the ropes, which causes JT to crotch himself, all while Whipwreck ducks a double clothesline and nails a crossbody onto the Bad Crew. Mikey then backbody drops Guido when he runs in, followed by a thrust kick to knock Devin out of the ring, before climbing up to deliver a Franken-Mikey to Smith for the pin and, and the win. win. And what a horrific landing for JT <laughs> on that Franken-Mikey. Especially after that Tornado DDT was perfect. And then uh, this one, I was afraid for the big on himself. May have just knocked the Italian right out of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but good, good point. It's been a while since he got hit on the head that hard, <laughs> and maybe he's just a red-blooded American after this. Next time we see him, we go to our third match: Johnny Smith versus Taz, with Bill Alfonso and Team Taz in a submission match. I know. I'm getting excited about this show. Johnny Smith is making a. A lasting impression on ECW. I know these these uh, these big strong boys that we've seen lately that I've gloated over. Happy to see it, and then you know, Mikey getting to fling around the ring. Yep, I love it. So before the match starts, Joey shows us some ECW fan cam footage of the Human Suplex Machine at a Monday Night Raw. Oh my God! What? So it was a continuation. Like I mentioned it last week uh, on the Mind Games episode. When the ECW guys showed up. Raw was in Philly. Exactly. So Fonzie takes the mic to irritate everyone, followed by our competitors locking up with no one gaining an advantage. Of course, you get that Sabu chant, and the cheers for Johnny Smith are mostly because they hate Taz. Taz tries for a couple hip tosses that get blocked, so he transitions into a fireman's carry takedown, only for Johnny to come back with one of his own. Back and forth mat work shared between the two until the human suplex machine challenges Smith to some amateur wrestling, which Taz escapes, giving himself two points. Got on all fours for the man. Now Johnny takes the position and he escapes even quicker before resuming the position, only for the human suplex machine to kick him, causing Smith to roll out to the floor. And uh, all the while... Shane's favorite instrument is being uh, yep. played to uh, extreme degrees. Yes. And we're talking we're talking about the gym whistle. Yes. Performed by uh, one Bill Alfonso. It's endless. <laughs> it's, it's one of those, like, if torture porn has music, I imagine that's what it sounds oh, like. Oh, wow. That's a disturbing <laughs> thought. Taz follows out to run Johnny into a guardrail before taking him back into the ring to keep up the attack with a northern light suplex and whipping Smith from corner to corner. Johnny fires out with a forearm, but the human suplex machine counters with a drop toe hold into a bow and arrow hold, forcing Smith to make the ropes to break it. Taz then goes for a hip toss, only for Johnny to reverse for one of his own, followed by applying a cross arm breaker until the human suplex machine reaches the ropes. And Smith stays in control by working the arm, but he misses a clothesline, allowing Taz to take Johnny down with a suplex and locking on the red hook ringer, which was a bridging bow and arrow. 
until he loses his footing. The human suplex machine then goes for a clothesline, but Smith catches him into a Fujiwara armbar before transitioning into a chicken wing, only for Taz to again make the ropes. Johnny sends the human suplex machine to a corner, and he charges in after, only to receive a big boot, but catches Taz charging out with a power slam. Smith then puts on a STF, forcing the human suplex machine to crawl to the ropes to break the hold, before nailing a back elbow and heading up top to hit a missile dropkick, followed by a clothesline. No covers. Johnny continues with a scoop slam and heads up top again, diving off for a splash, but Taz gets his knees up. And the human suplex machine with a wheelbarrow suplex before locking on the Taz mission for the submission and, and the, the win. win. Ocean City, baby. Post-match, the human suplex machine takes the mic to say he only has one word to describe his path of rage. Raw. Before he mocks Sabu, while Alfonso continues to scream, Who can stop the path of rage? It wasn't Johnny Smith, but... I'd say he gets an A for effort. Oh, definitely. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's great. Johnny Smith is, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm loving, loving the, his big boy era. From never seeing him or knowing of his existence until he showed up in ECW, I'm pleasantly surprised with old Johnny Smith. Yeah, you can go, but I'd prefer if he stayed. Yes. So we go to our fourth match, the Samoan Gangsta Party. Oh no. <laughs> Maddie Smalls and Sammy Silk. They can go. Versus the Eliminators of Perry Saturn and John Cronus. And the Samoans attack as soon as the Eliminators are in the ring, with Sammy missing a clothesline, allowing Saturn to come off the ropes with a crossbody for a two-count. Perry continues with an arm drag and a dropkick, before heading up top for a missile dropkick that gets a two-count, as Saturn moves when he sees Maddie coming in with an elbow drop, causing Silk to take the blow. The Eliminators hit a double drop kick of Smalls, but Sammy charges in with a double clothesline to take the Eliminators down. Silk hits some chops and headbutts to the gut of Perry, while Maddie chokes Cronus before nailing a vicious clothesline. The Samoans then hug, which allow the Eliminators to recover and deliver total elimination, with Saturn making the cover for the pin and, and the, the win. win. Samoans, before that hug, they put up the X. For a little bit of heat. wonder what that could mean. We then go to our fifth match of Public Enemy, of Flyboy Stevie Rock, <laughs> and Meanie Grunge versus the Gangsters of New Jack and Mustafa Saeed for the ECW World Tag Team Championships. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I uh, This match started while I was in the kitchen grabbing a drink refill, and I heard the... Nah, 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 nah. Like, no fucking way. Pop my head into the living room to see the TV. Like, okay. You got a chuckle out of it? Cool. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty fun to see these guys in the jerseys and the crowds into it because they, you know, public enemy is super over. For some reason. <laughs> it was a nice, uh, it was a fun, fun comedy yeah. moment in wrestling that's not, like, based on anything that's happening in a match. So I yes. uh, approve of this comedy. Yeah, it, it got more of a chuckle out of me than their dressing up as Kiss. Even though I like them dressed up as Kiss. Yeah, no, They had is, fun with it. Yeah. These guys are fun. So Stevie and Meanie take the mic saying they have a surprise 
They're sober. <laughs> Before Richard says he he just can't do this anymore. Can't do this impression anymore. And why? Mimi isn't fat enough to be grunge. <laughs> Cheap shots. I'm not gonna lie, Mimi did look like he was a little slimmer, and maybe that's just because of what he was wearing. Yeah, he, he was, looks good in a he looks good he was, in a hockey jersey. Maybe he was sucking it in at the time. Spanks came out in 96. <laughs> Stevie continues by calling out the gangsters so we can kick your asses and win the titles. Uh, good, good luck. And the music hits and the trash cans come flying with everybody brawling immediately. Flyboy with a Stevie kick to Jack. Mimi with a cookie sheet to Saeed followed by a broken piece of wood. Rock clotheslines New Jack against the top rope, while Mustafa nails a power slam on Grunge. That's why he's thinner. He donated all of his cookie sheets to the ECW. And he's sober, so maybe he lost, <laughs> yeah. lost a little no, of the... Empty calories. Yeah. All of a sudden, the Eliminators run into the ring and attack the gangsters, nailing total elimination on Saeed, the ref, and Meanie. New Jack then crawls back into the ring only to be totally eliminated as well. And Perry takes the mic yelling that the belt is theirs and will be coming back to where they belong. So I'm going to guess that we're getting a no contest since the ref got knocked out. Yeah, I mean, you know, it makes sense to me. But on a sad note, instead of this match was supposed to be, instead of public enemy... It was actually supposed to be the Rock and Roll Express. Oh. But they no-showed the event. So it was supposed to be Rock and Roll Express against... The Gangsters. The Gangsters? Yeah. I don't want to yeah, see that. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of glad that they no-showed then, because... Yeah, that's... I don't know if I need to see that match either. No, Rock and Roll Express deserve better than that, and I don't want to see them get hit in the head with cookie sheets or any, or a Nintendo. Like, I just, I want to see the Rock and Roll Express... Wrestle. Have wrestle, yes. Yeah. Do the thing they do best. I don't necessarily need to see them bleed. No. Matter of fact, I'd be upset if they came here <laughs> and bled. I would be upset with them degrading themselves to that degree. Not right. that there's anything wrong with the gangsters. I know New Jack's still... No, he did pass away, didn't he? Or is he still alive? He's dead at this point. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know. I don't... Yeah. He's his. I'm scared of his ghost as well. That's all I'm saying. I do wonder what a, a Stevie Meany Rock and Roll Express costume cosplay would have looked like, though. I wouldn't mind Stevie having a match with them. I don't know that... I guess, you know, it would probably be lighter on the Rock and Roll Express. They could make it work. Uh, Stevie and Meany versus the Rock and Roll Express could be fun. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to see them. I don't want to see the boys get hit. No. So we go to our sixth match. The Eliminators of Perry Saturn and John Cronus. Versus the gangsters of New Jack and Mustafa Saeed for the ECW World Tag Team Championships. And the brawl is on as everyone hits the ring, with Perry hitting cutters on both gangsters to take control. The Eliminators then mock their opponent's pose, allowing the gangsters to recover and attack from behind with a ladder clothesline to both. Mustafa hits a backbreaker on Saturn, followed by using a nightstick and a vertical suplex. All while Cronus is being beat up by Jack using different plunder. Perry comes back with a thrust kick and a clothesline to Saeed, and he knocks down New Jack, allowing John to recover. 
Jack uses a crutch over the back of Saturn before clotheslining him over the ropes into the front row, while Mustafa and Cronus brawl around ringside as well. New Jack then comes flying off the apron with a clothesline onto Perry, followed by a chair shot as everybody is now brawling into the crowd. They finally make their way back to the ring, with John swinging the trash can around, getting a little too crazy with it, (laughs) as he jumps on the ropes, only to trip and fall down to the mat. Yeah, old Cronus was uh, on one. Something. He was definitely on something. (laughs) Yeah, man. And the crowd lets him know about it, only for Cronus to just yell back that they fucked up. Yep. Before we clip ahead, where Jack is a bloody mess, while Mustafa bulldogs Saturn onto a chair. Saeed nails a running power slam on Perry for a two count, before hitting a low blow. We then skip ahead again, with Mustafa delivering a running power slam to John, followed by a 187 chair dive from New Jack, for the pin, and and the win. Post-match, Saturn tells the camera that he's sick of being robbed of his belt, while the gangsters pose in the ring, only for the Eliminators to decide to attack once again, as Perry dropkicks Jack before hitting total elimination on Saeed. They also deliver total elimination on New Jack, before laying a table across a top turnbuckle, with Cronus leaping off with a splash to Jack. Perry then opens up a ladder, and sets it on the table. I mean, come on, dog. Climbs to the top and comes off with an elbow drop to New Jack, followed by climbing back up to nail a splash to Saeed. Yeah. We're getting uh, violently creative here. <laughs> these are some, uh, these will go down to be ECW package shots. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? This is uh, a little more intense than JT's early. Fallen out of the nest or whatever. Up from the scaffolding. We then go to our seventh match. Terry Gordy versus Bam Bam Bigelow in a battle of the Bam Bams. Woo! And we haven't seen Bam Bam since Just Another Night. Just Another Night. Episode 192. He's one of those guys that never seems to stay in one place for very long, which... I'm Kind of would have liked for him to stick in one place for a while. Kind of like Ricky Steamboat. Seems like just... Just as he's getting going, he's gone. Yeah, yeah, so I feel the same way about... I think he's just been hanging out in Japan for a little while since we've seen him last. I'm sure he's been wrestling. It's just like, as far as the stuff we cover, it would have been nice if he had like a full year or two run in WCW or WWF. I mean, that's the case. He... He did have a, a couple year run, I think, in WWF the last time. Because, I mean, he did his... I mean, he main evented WrestleMania, yeah. guys. And that's that's another reason I think Fortunately, he had to take a step away. Is he memorable. had to make sure people forgot the whole... Yeah, LT, LT. thing. Yeah. It would have been nice if he got to wrestle somebody. Yeah. But hey, I'm sure he got paid, paid all right. So the two men trade clotheslines, followed by a Gordy back suplex. But Bigelow gets back to his feet to nail a drop kick that sends Terry out to the floor. Bam Bam follows out with a baseball slide that Gordy sidesteps and the two men brawl around ringside, with Terry being run into the ring post Posted. and the guardrail, until Bigelow has the favor returned before returning to the ring. And early on, you can tell that 
Bam Bam is whispering in the ear of one Terry Gordy, who, I don't know if you guys know this, but he's not all there after his, um, like, I was believe Almost dying yeah. from a drug overdose. Exactly. He never, he was never the same, and Bam Bam, it's clear as day that he is calling this in the ring to Terry Gordy. Yeah, because he doesn't, he, he was, Gordy was... Never able to remember spots very well. So people had to tell him basically everything as they were going through a match. Damn. Yeah, and it's pain, damn, it's damn. painfully obvious here and quite a bummer, but moving on. Yep. Bam Bam with headbutts, elbows, and right hands before charging into a big boot. But he catches Gordy charging out for a back suplex. Only for Terry to get right back to his feet to nail a dropkick that sends Bigelow out to the floor. Gordy then goes for a baseball slide, which Bam Bam sidesteps and rams Terry's head into a guardrail before grabbing a chair to use over the head multiple times. Bigelow then drags Gordy up to the apron to bring him in the hard way for a two count and then grabs a headlock to wear Terry down. Probably do a little bit of whispering. I love that Joey refers to the 2900 arena the as the world's most famous bingo hall it was just you know it's kind of cute but seeing gordy take those chair shots knowing what we know kind of kind of hurt a little gordy escapes with some elbows but his momentum is stopped with a knee to the gut and a ddt for a near fall before bam bam goes back to the headlock terry again escapes and delivers several clotheslines and an elbow drop for a two count before he grabs a chin lock with Bigelow breaking free to hit a Samoan drop for a near fall. Gordy ducks a clothesline and returns off the ropes with one of his own that knocks Bam Bam backwards. So Terry nails another to send them both out to the floor. Gordy now uses a chair multiple times over the back, slamming Bigelow's face into the timekeeper's table, which ends up breaking in half before returning to the ring. And Terry lifts Bam Bam up into a fireman's carry, but the weight's too much, so he falls over with Bigelow using the momentum to land on top for a two count. And Gordy hits some stomps and goes back to the chin lock, with Bam Bam grabbing the ropes to break the hold. But Terry stays on the attack with a springboard butt splash before going for an elbow drop, only for Bigelow to move. Bam Bam then telegraphs a back body drop, so Gordy kicks him away and delivers a running bulldog for a near fall. And Terry goes for another back suplex, only for Bigelow to reverse in midair to land on top for a two count. But then the two men clothesline each other down for a double KO. When they get back to their feet, they start running the ropes with each going for a crossbody that knocks each other down once more. But Gordy's back to his feet first, calling for the spike. When the eliminators would run out to hit total elimination, while Bam Bam distracts the ref. Bigelow then climbs to the top for a diving headbutt. For the pin! And, and the win. win! Some boos, some cheers, mostly sad for Terry Gordy. Yep. The crowd was not into it. And you know, the Eliminators make the run in, again. So, I mean, Total Elimination is, is the new choke slam. Pretty much. At least on ECW. It's the new Chokeslam. They're the new 911. Mm-hmm. 
At least the move looks cool. It's yes. a great looking move for sure. I'm not but not mad about it yet. Them or Red Dragon? I mean, I'm always gonna be a more of a fan of Red Dragon because <laughs> who likes John Cronus? I mean, he is impressive for his size. I'll admit, I like him more in this show than I've liked him in others, just because he's he's on something more than he's been on in the other shows, where <laughs> I he's mean, actually showing like a teeny tiny bit of personality in there. And with how big he is, those you know springboard back elbows are pretty wild. He does do some wild stuff, but he is not he's not Saturn. Yeah, normally he just kind of walks around and you don't notice he's there because Saturn's doing everything and he actually does you know, a he lot of it is fuck ups. That's what he does. He yeah. takes the pin. He takes the pin. Someone's got to do it. But now he's walking around and like talking to himself and making weird faces to the camera and swinging trash cans and falling over the top yeah, rope. Calling the fans slurs. Yeah. <laughs> so we go to our eighth match. Bubba Ray Dudley with Big Dick. Spike and Chubby Dudley versus Devon Dudley with Axel Rotten. And this match is joined in progress as Devon has a chair in hand, using it over the head of Bubba several times. Mm-hmm. We skip ahead to Bubba Ray tossing Devon out of the ring and following out with a plancha. Another jump ahead as Bubba's lifting Devon for a powerbomb. But Devon slips out the back and is handed a chair from Axel and uses it over the head of Bubba Ray for the pin and, and the win. win. Booze for Devon Dudley, and I love to see Bubba take that pin. Post-match, we jump to Rotten using a chair on Spike multiple times when Big Dick would enter the ring. And Axel spits his gum out, and it ends up landing in Dick's hair. Yeah, I know. He must have been pissed about that. Before hitting Big Dick right over the head with a chair. What does Big Dick do? But it's no sold. Oh my god. We move forward to Rotten laying in the ring with Dick heading up top to hit a moonsault. Didn't expect it. Oh my god! The Dick salt. (laughs) The Dick salt, guys. (laughs) Like, like, I've literally seen some <laughs> some impressive moonsaults from people. Yeah. Like, Big Dick doing a moonsault. Since this is, like, like the first thing we've seen him do. That, like, ranks up yeah. there with, what was the Fat Twins? Oh. Uh, Abdullah the Butcher Boys. Yeah. Yeah. Those dudes doing the moons. Like That was, yeah. Yeah. Like, what is going on? It's like we've seen Vader do it, but this looks better than Vader. This looks better than Vader. This looks better than Vader. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, you know, I know he landed on his head against Kurt Angle, but Brock Lesnar doing a shooting star press, something he should never do and doesn't have to do, but it's crazy that he can mostly do it. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting no, I this for from, it. From, from Big Dick. Especially because he hasn't, like we said, he hasn't done anything yeah. and then he pulls out a moonsault. It's like, it's, we've been waiting for you to do something. He's I mean, over here, Devon's over here. Let's walk to the other side and totally miss each other. Now let's walk back. Now let's walk over here. That guy left in a car while he chased. Lord of the Rings. And then something's finally (laughs) happened. Yeah. So we head to our ninth match. The franchise. Shane Douglas with Francine. Versus Pitbull number two. With Pitbull number one. For the ECW World Television Championship. Let's do it. Champion came out first, guys. Foreshadowing. And Pitbull hits the ring, and the fight is on. Shane Douglas still got that belt on. Pitbull 2's not messing around. 
He nails several clotheslines and takes the belt from around the franchise's waist and uses it to clock Shane for a two count. Francine climbs in to yell at number two, which brings the crowd chanting, She's She's a a whore. whore! And a distraction, allowing Douglas to pick up the title to return the favor for a near fall. The franchise with a DDT, but it's no sold. So Shane begs off, only to receive a press slam into a brain buster for a two count. Pretty cool. And Douglas rolls out, only for Pitbull to follow out to keep the attack with chair shots and a chin lock, before tossing the franchise into a guardrail. Now back in the ring, number two delivers a choke slam for a near fall, before working the neck with the crowd wanting vengeance, yelling, Break his neck! Pitbull with a choke lift and more chokes, until Shane bounces out of a corner to nail a swinging neckbreaker and a pile driver. And Douglas continues with a vertical suplex, and he starts working the neck of number two with holds, until Pitbull lifts him on his shoulders to drop him face first across the turnbuckle. I mean, such solid and simple psychology. Uh, He's cranking on his neck or whatever. What does Shane Douglas do immediately when he gets out? Does power moves to the neck of Pitbull 2. He loved to see it. The franchise is whipped to a corner, but he moves, sending number two into the ring post, shoulder first. Post. Followed by Shane nailing another swinging netbreaker for a two count. Douglas with some right hands, but Pitbull starts firing back, taking the franchise up to the top rope for mounted punches, even knocking the ref down so he could continue. Ref bump. The Eliminators hit the ring, but number two delivers a double clothesline and pounds his chest, allowing them to recover and hit total elimination. Okay, I think now we're to the point where there's been enough Eliminators on the show. Yep. Followed by Shane flying in off the top with an elbow drop for the pin, and no, Pitbull kicks out. We'd love to see it. We're, we're, this is a Pitbull, pro-Pitbull podcast. We're also pro-Shade Douglas, but I mean, come on. Number two reverses a whip, but then just keeps running Douglas from corner to corner until finally charging in. Only the franchise to get his boot up three times in a row. Damn it. Shane heads up top, but Pitbull shakes the ropes, causing Douglas to crotch himself, allowing number two to climb up to deliver a super fallaway slam. Francine then pulls something out of her dress, not that perverts, and climbs to the apron while Pitbull is setting up for a super bomb. And number two grabs her, sending the object flying into the ring, with a distraction allowing the franchise to grab it, all while Francine goes to her knees to beg off Pitbull, which elicits the crowd to chant, Suck Suck his dick! We're in Philly, guys. It would be so funny for female ballet manager or whatever to get on the apron and just pull one titty out. <laughs> I'm just, just like, it's the, it's just one titty is way too funny, but it could only really work on like, at least in kayfabe on somebody like Bubba Ray Dudley, where it's like, oh, he's just a giant 12-year-old, titty. at least right now. Yeah, we'll, uh... we'll see a tit at some point, I'm uh-huh. sure. We're a couple years away from some titties showing up on TV. Um, looking at you, Jack A. Number two instead hits her with a running power slam. But Shane then throws powder into Pitbull's face, 
causing him to well about and accidentally nail a belly-to-belly suplex to the ref. Yeah, it wasn't even just a little bit. It was a lot of power. There was a whole bag of cocaine Uh, just... Yeah, no, it was like... Somebody, it was like they dumped the whole thing of baby powder into the, <laughs> like into the bag. They're like, yeah, we're just gonna use the whole thing. That way, we can't miss. Even if we miss, like you know, it's, it's, something's gotta hit him. He's a big guy. You gotta you gotta blind him a lot. And there's a lot of coverage to make. Douglas delivers a single arm DDT before putting a dog collar around Number Two's neck, wrapping the chain and using it to choke the pit bull before applying a full Nelson. And Pitbull 1 then gets on the apron to cheer on his partner, which was the boost number 2 needed to break free. But the franchise goes low, followed by another single-arm <sighs> DDT. Son of a bitch. Number 1 then gets in the ring. Don't do it! And he throws a towel in Shane's face before starting to yell at him. Only for Douglas to grab him by the halo and shake it. And that part just like made my entire body get that whole like tingly feeling all over as it was happening. Because again, I couldn't tell for sure how injured number one is, and that's the biggest fear that I've had for him this entire time. Was yep, and getting they, they caught in the way. And they didn't do it immediately. And when they did do it, they did it right. Like shaking that is gross to look at, no matter whether he's injured or not. It's just like yep. wonderful visual. Yep. Todd Gordon, officials, wrestlers, even Joey Styles himself come running down to the ring to check on number one. Make it serious if you're going to do angles like this, guys. Even multiple fans jump the rail to go after the franchise. This is the heat Jim Cornette was talking about. (laughs) Shane and Francine are led to the back where we get fan cam footage of Tommy Dreamer attacking Douglas. And a stretcher's brought in when Joel Gertner enters the ring to announce the franchise as the winner. This is a hot angle, dude. <laughs> yeah. So Gordon turns and punches him. And so that, good. Yeah, that, that I, I don't normally use the word pop, but I pop for that. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> Heyman and the wrestlers pull Todd off of Gertner, but Joel takes the mic again to continue. Son of a bitch. <laughs> so Paul goes after him this time. <laughs> so, so classic. Wrestlers separate everybody, but threaten Gertner if he continues, so he leaves, while number one leaves in an ambulance. What a stretcher job. What a hot angle. Yeah. I was like, this is good, but I didn't expect it to just... It came to a boil, and my God. Good stuff, man. Damn. Short list? I mean, I'm all for that. I mean, with the angle with, and with everything. everything I mean, in it, yeah. I know there's not. A, I, I mean, I know we made know, this comment last week. You saw with the like, twinkle in my eye. There was an actual winner. There wasn't actually a finish. <laughs> but this was. But this hotter. Fit, but this angle is much hotter than. Yeah. What we saw, and I and I even said that that match last week was Great. short list, if yeah. not for the the yeah. DQ finish. Yeah, the the finish on this one adds to everything in this match. We haven't seen heat like this. I can't remember the last time I saw heat like this. Marty Janetti's head went through the barbershop window. <laughs> so, I think I think we'll add it. Yeah. yeah, I'm all for it. But then we head to our tenth match, prime time. Brian Lee and Stevie Richards with Blue Meanie, Supernova, and Lori Fullington versus Sandman and Tommy Dreamer with Beulah in an ultimate Jeopardy match. 
Tyler must be uh, grounded or something. He's with Raven overseas oh. in storyline. Gotcha. But technically, Raven was out for personal reasons, which is why Stevie's in this match in real life. The stipulations for this match is that each person had a singular stipulation. Something on, on the line, yeah. Had something on the line. Lee would have his head shaved. Richards was defending the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. On behalf of Raven, on so behalf. if he does get pinned, he belt. Raven loses, loses the, the belt. belt. Sandman would be caned like ten times in the ring. And Tommy would lose the services of Beulah as she would be forced to leave ECW. Mm. Me and hair, not that big of a deal. The caning, Sandman can take it. Yeah. Beulah leaving... I guess that would hurt some people's feelings, but hurt the belt. My, hurt my eyeballs. Yeah, yeah. So Dreamer shares McGillicuddy with Sandman as he makes his entrance, as she leads him around the ring before making it to the apron where they pour beer on her, only for Sandman to start drinking it off her chest. <laughs> and I was like, all right, that's, yeah. that's what we're doing. Yeah. And the match gets going with prime time attacking Tommy to start, hitting right hands and a back body drop. He goes to run the ropes, only for Beulah to grab his foot, causing the distraction, allowing Dreamer to nail a clothesline that would send them both out to the floor. Tommy then sends Lee into multiple guardrails when Stevie would join in on the attack, followed by Sandman leaping over the top rope onto Richards. And everybody's brawling as Dreamer uses a chair and a cookie sheet on primetime. Sandman tosses Stevie into a guardrail. Lee then sends Tommy into a guardrail before Sandman can come to help his partner, brawling with primetime. Richard slams Dreamer's head into the timekeeper's table, but Tommy responds by tossing Stevie into Lee and the guardrail, followed by a chair shot across his back. And Primetime responds by sending Dreamer into the front row and using a chair himself. Sandman suplexes a table onto Richards. Tableplex. As Lee and Tommy make their way into the crowd to brawl some more. And Stevie rolls Sandman back in the ring, but he receives some hard chops and multiple clotheslines in a corner. And Sandman tries for a third, only for Richards to move before Meanie would jump in the ring to hit an avalanche splash on Sandman right as he hits the buckle. Followed by a Stevie kick for a two-kick. Sandman would then pull Richards out of the ring to brawl, while Primetime and Dreamer have made their way back into the ring, where Lee delivers a running power slam before placing a chair on Tommy's face and hitting a leg drop for a near fall. Primetime goes to run the ropes again, with Beulah grabbing the foot once more. So Lee picks her up by the hair and headbutts her. My God which allows Dreamer to recover and roll up prime time for a two-count. Tommy now goes for a clothesline, but Lee ducks and grabs him for a chokeslam. But Dreamer blocks with a knee to the gut and nails a DDT. He makes the cover, only for Lori Fullington to jump in the ring to pull Tommy off. God damn it, bitches. Get these bitches out of here. Prime time uses the distraction to attack from behind before tossing Tommy out to the floor where Stevie and Supernova are wailing on the Sandman. And Lee takes Dreamer out into the crowd using chairs and up to the top of the bleachers, where he throws him off through a table 
While back in the ring, Richard uses a chair on Sandman and makes a cover for a near fall. Sandman reverses a pile driver attempt into a back body drop, while Primetime takes a busted open Tommy to the bathroom to brawl, where Dreamer uses a trash can over the head of Lee. Back in the ring, Sandman has tossed Stevie out to the floor and following out to drop an elbow on him. While in the bathroom, Tommy throws a chair at Primetime, busting him open. Tommy slams Lee into a wall as they make their way back to ringside where Sandman continues the punishment on Richards by dropping the broken table on him. And then out come the Eliminators. <laughs> no, thank God. JK. <laughs> Dreamer and Primetime have skipped the ring entirely to head down the entranceway for Tommy to have his head slammed into a wall, while Stevie has been rolled back into the ring, where Sandman hits a slingshot somersault leg drop from the apron for a two-count. I love that he slams his head into the wall, but like the wall's already been broken, so it's like there's a. They just re plastered it and they're like, well, <laughs> yeah, we'll just do it again. Do it again. Right. Lee slams Dreamer's head into a vending machine several times, <laughs> while Sandman nails a slingshot splash onto Richards for a near fall. Primetime then drags Tommy up a ladder to an awning above the snack bar, while Beanie and Supernova are stacking tables below them. And Lee uses a chair and boxes to keep up the attack before choke slamming Dreamer through four tables. Ooh, he goes through all at least, the way to the floor. It's brutal. He goes through at least two of them, but it'd be probably better for him if he went through all four. Because, uh, you know, there's just concrete down there. Yeah. There's no, uh, there's no crash pad. Back in the ring, Sandman starts to go after Lori, only for Richard to come in from behind for a schoolboy. For a two count. Sandman makes it back to his feet and he rips the dress off of Lori before turning around to get Stevie kicked for the pin and no, no. Sandman kicks out. Lori then delivers a cane shot to Sandman's head but he just grabs her going for a DDT right as he gets Stevie kicked again for a near fall. Richard grabs the cane to use but he misses allowing Sandman to nail a DDT for the pin and, and the win. And new! Post-match, the crowd chants for Sandman as he celebrates in the ring and we fade to black. I mean, uh, pretty good near falls there at the end. Mm -hmm. And Sandy's on, on his knees holding that belt. He's been chasing it for quite a while. Feels good to get it off a raven. Just saying. Agreed. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Ultimate Jeopardy 1996? And can I go first? Absolutely. Yes. So I like this show for the most part. I think there's some sequencing issues with the matches. Mm -hmm. Because on this tape, it's a little bit of an uneven feel. And I don't know if it helps or hurts. So I'm, that's going to be a question for you guys as we're going through this. So at the actual show, the tag stuff is all separated. The There's a match, one of the tag matches, and then there's a singles match, and then there's another tag match, and then there's another singles match, and then like there's three or four more singles matches. And then finally the gangsters and eliminators are like, 
the semi semi main event. Yeah, like third from so the like card. there's there's more matches in between than like they're back to back to back because they didn't make any sense like why like all of them on this tape that we watched. Yeah, yeah, because the tape is uh, as you'll see on some of the matches it'll put the copyright in the corner so it's like. It's, it's, I mean, it's three, it's, it's three it's, episodes of hardcore yeah, TV. Three episodes of hardcore TV. They've just taken the matches and put them all together into one single thing. Yeah, and just kind of chopped it up. So, on one hand, you get all the tag stuff, you get it over and done with, but I think it would have made more sense if it had been separated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that for sure. So, like I said, I like this show, but I had some qualms with that stuff. Yeah. So knowing that information, that may change your opinion. I don't know. I mean, I like uh, the show. It's a pretty good show. There's not too much promo trash. There's not too much actual trash, as in garbage. I think it helps that it helps a lot when some of the things that I'm less interested in get cut down to key moments, and that happened here. Luckily for me, it's the things that I'm typically less interested in. I didn't have to watch Bubba say his name for five minutes. That makes me feel good. Or get over, hit over the head 70 million times. Yes. Yeah, Sandy won without pinning Raven. It's nice to get it off of Raven. I assume maybe, like you said, Raven's uh, hurt, but were they going to pin Raven? I mean, he's really he's not. been protect, protected the second he got in this place. I guess we can continue this I feel like they did the title change here because, one, this doesn't hurt Raven at all by losing the belt because of Stevie, but also they weren't quite sure how long he was going to be gone. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And they should get it off of him. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they did a good job because you're like, okay, well, Stevie will... you, You think, okay, well, Stevie will probably just win because... He's got glory and meanie and shit, and so the near falls actually meant something. Mm-hmm. And the Sandy winning was like not the world's biggest surprise, but I wasn't sure it was going to happen, which is what you want out of wrestling. And then I love my boys Louis Smith and Furnace, so I'm pretty into that. The thing you said about the tag matches, we probably would have got the Eliminators spread out a little more. Still mm-hmm. think there was too much of it, yes. and I like the guys, but we're we're spamming them like choke slams at this point. And then, of course, poor Terry Gordy. That's kind of I mean, yeah, that's kind of how I feel about the thing. Yeah, but he might have a glow up here soon. You know, we yeah. shall see. I want the best for everyone, for the most part. Yeah, I liked a lot about this show. Much like you guys have said, the. Spicoli furnace match was fun. The certain things were kept to a minimum with the Dudleys, JT Smith, and the. Oh yeah, JT Smith, Mikey. Yeah, fun. that's what I'm like. Who the hell did he fight? I'm trying to remember. JT Smith there was and, like seven and people the FBI. Ringside. Yeah. Yeah, it's always fun to have a Mikey match. For me, the thing that bothered me the most about this show was there was too much of the Eliminators. And it just, it was like the shows that I hated in the past where it was just a constant blur effect of here comes Stevie and Raven's gang, here comes 
the gangstas it's and not special ones and if you keep doing it if you keep doing it yeah i can see yeah that. it just it gets old i mean even the, if it is the best finisher of all time yeah, yeah. yeah even if it's like yeah even if it's over you still can't spam it yeah you when, know when you have in, them interfering or involved in like four matches in a row it's too much. They could have used one of those matches and just use it as a flashback or something of, you know, this is why they hate this person or, you know, this is what's going on here, but they didn't need to show the entire match. They didn't need to show them as much as they did on this show because, I mean, if anything, it should have just been called Ultimate Elimination or Ultimate <laughs> Eliminators or something because there was just that much of them on there. I like the fact that Raven wasn't there. Because the the Raven effect has worn off on me. He's got the charisma and, of a piece of toast. Yeah, the the only thing that the Raven effect has done for anybody on the show it is it's Stevie made Stevie games. a star. Yeah, for which, sure. Which is great, but if they're gonna make Stevie a star, let Stevie be the star. Fuck Raven. I feel that for sure. The um, the, like, what was more exciting than the surprise of the glass breaking when you didn't know Stone Cold was gonna be on the show? I mean, I'm not saying the eliminate. I'm not putting the eliminators up there with that. I'm not saying it's a tag team thing, but less is more most of the yeah. time. When you're combining three TV shows into one recording, do a little more editing. Yeah, or maybe some more intelligent. Give, give somebody yeah. else, you know, that minute and a half of camera time. Well, the editing wasn't done by ECW. It was done by some fan that put the video together. So okay, well, I just thought it was like three episodes. They, they, but they promoted made it. it though, right? Did ECW not promote them? I mean, the the show was there was a show that like had a full card, and then they edited it down to show episode uh, to show matches into three different episodes of Hardcore TV, and then someone went and took all the matches from Hardcore TV and put it into a singular file. In the order that they thought was good. Yeah. Right. Whoever you Which, are that did that, while I appreciate the work that you put into it, try a little better next time. <laughs> appreciate, <laughs> appreciate the work, but you know. Yeah. I'll give you an ECW for effort. <laughs> good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So what are some of the best moments of this show? Shit, we still have to talk more about uh, it. Dick salt. Big dick salt. <laughs> Yeah. It's just fun to say. Even. Yeah, and then of course the hottest love, angle we've seen. I always love Spicoli quite a while. Spicoli driver, of course. I mean, Furnace Spicoli Smith always going to get my love. But I mean, Shane Douglas doing the Lord's work, oh, Pitbull man. being you know the best babyface in the company and has been for a while. And it's like, are they going to are they going to do it with him? Are they going to do it with him? And it it still hasn't lost. The fans are still behind him. I know we've seen this match so many times, and I still get pumped for it oh, yeah. every that time was, we see it. That was my original thought when the match first started was, seriously, again? Okay. Yeah, it's like, people are going to actually win, and it's like, well, no, we did something better. Yeah. We pissed everybody off, and, di- and did it in, like, wonderful fashion. We've had him actually win before, and it was, it was fun, it was good, but it didn't leave me, holy shit, on the brain. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, like, just the shake would have been enough, but they built on it. Like, it went up another, like, three levels with, like, Gertner and Todd and then Paul and Gertner and, like, the whole locker room actually fucking showed up and they actually look pissed. Mm. And a lot of the times, people get their ass beat and nothing, nobody hey, does WWF anything. WWF and WCW, take some notes. <laughs> yeah. Listen to Paul. The other Paul. 
Public Enemy showing up, guys. Oh yeah, that's that's my my most favorite Public Enemy ap- appearance ever. Probably, <laughs> I'm honestly, sure, it probably yeah. is. Now, my favorite Public Enemy thing outside of that is the uh, the Mikey Whipwreck segment. Oh yeah, in the woods, learning how to be a thug. That that was yeah, pretty great too. I like that. How about most disappointing? Too much eliminators. <laughs> Actually, my I, my biggest complaint is actually with the main event, and and it's one of those things where I know Brian Lee and Tommy Dreamer have a feud, and Sandman and Raven have a feud, but literally there was like one moment when Dreamer started dealing with Richards and Primetime started dealing with Sandman, and I was like, okay, cool, we're gonna actually like switch switch around something because. Uh. Who wouldn't want to be the champion? Mm-hmm. Why? Why wouldn't Dreamer ever go after Richards to become the champion? Very good point. It should be kind of like a, like almost like a Benny Hill routine of them trying to get his ass. I'm like, shoot. If I was Brian Lee, I'd be all like a uh, big boot and Richards and be like, I'm gonna pin you. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't care that you're my partner. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I get why. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it's like. That's the one problem I have with that kind of match. It's like everybody should want to be the champion. So, yes. Yeah, I mean, that's really my only major disappointment is the too much elimination. I wouldn't call it a disappointment, but we've talked about it. Sad to see Terry Gordy just like, like every fucking other move have to be told what to do and then and then he hit him in the head with a chair it's like the guy's brain is fucking mush and then you cracked him over the head with it and then when he hits bam bam he hits bam bam over the back he doesn't even crack him on the head wrestling <laughs> have a best performer of the night that's it's hard not to give one. it to douglas all the time like, yeah. well no that's the thing is douglas yeah but then as i was watching the show all i could think was pitbull number one was the first Pitbull that we saw. He was this jacked up dude, looked the part, acted the part, wore the spandex, had the long hair, had all that stuff, looked like a beast. And since they've had this accident with him, he has totally changed his look to the point that he doesn't even look like the same person that was there before. You know, he's covered up, he looks weak, he looks... They even call him by his actual name. Yeah. Uh, John, Gary. Gary Wolf. They say Gary Wolf constantly. He's not, they're not even calling him, they call him Pitbull one, but like... They say Gary Wolf just as much as they say Pitbull. Yeah, but he's... I'm not necessarily calling him the best performer, but there's something that stands out about him, how he's done just a complete character change. And yeah, he hasn't had to do much, you know, stand there, look hurt, possibly be hurt. But just his overall There's sympathy for him, yeah. Yeah, his overall transformation. He doesn't look like the big buff badass that has been running around for the last two years. But he's he, still, when he, he looks, needs... When he's called upon, he's still... Oh, yeah. Does what he should do, what he what you know, what he would do, even though he shouldn't be anywhere near that stuff. Yeah. Also, Gertner. There's just something about uh, his. Gertner got so much heat in just like that one line. He's got. He has. Luckily for him, he has the most slappable face. Uh-huh. It's like that. You want to hit the guy, even if he's. You never heard him talk. Even if you, yeah, put that guy in a suit, and he immediately looks like a fucking shit heel. Yeah. And he, and, he, and he is. And, then, and it works. You know, also, Big Dick for the Dick Salt. 
who I never would have expected him to pull no. that off. No, not at all. <laughs> I didn't ever expect anything out of Big Dick. I had really no interest in him at all, but he did that moonsault. Now I'm like, all right, man, I'm listening now. Mm-hmm. So let's see where it goes. How about most surprising? And that's where the Big Dick, the big dick salt. salt. Yeah, yeah. salt and Bam Bam, wasn't, Bam Bam showing back up, Bigelow. Yeah. You know, wasn't sure that uh, Sandman, that like the belt would change hands, but it felt like there was obviously more of a chance since Stevie was doing it, but I feel like they could of let Stevie went on a fluke mm-hmm. and it would have been just as believable of course this is the better outcome whether you like Sandman or not and I don't know if it goes in surprising or disappointing but learning about Rock and Roll Expe- Express surprising. wondering what it would have been like I think it's more surprising them. that they were going to bring them in to face the gangsters yeah I mean, they may have fought the gangsters when they were in Smoky, Smoky Mountain. Mountain. I'm sure they probably faced each other. Yeah, I'm yeah. like all for Rock and Roll Express against Stevie and Meanie, or against the Eliminators, even. But the gangsters just seem like a weird, yeah, a weird I, yeah, blend. I don't want to see those boys get hit with garbage. It's just not for me. Mm-mm. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. Okay. So this week, the category is The Champ is Here. The Champ is Here! The Champ is Here! So five points for a correct answer. Three points if we go to multiple choice. I'm going to give you a show and a title. You are going to give me who the champion was at the end of that show. Okay. The show is Super Brawl 3. The championship is the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. I'm going to go out on a limb and give Shane the chance to make five (laughs) or three points. I will go with Vader. That is correct. I needed him. I needed him. And uh, do you remember which match it was, though? The comeback starts. It was... Him and Flair. No. No? Him and Sting, yes. Castle of Fear. Of course it was Sting. But Super Brawl 3 and 4 is Vader time in WCW. That's right. Next week, In Your House 11, Buried Alive. You know it. You love it. You've seen clips from this Mm -hmm. your entire life if you ever watched wrestling. Music from this week's show is Thunder Kiss 65. 5-5. Five, five. Yeah. By Rob Zombie. And Sam Man won our main event. So please don't sue us, Lars, because we're going to play Enter Sandman by Metallica. That's right. Exit light. Enter night. Take my hand. Off to Never Never Land. <laughs> All right. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Spotify. Hey now. We are on Spotify. Or wherever you find your podcast at. Do as Michael says. Five stars or no stars, leave a five star review. Take a screen cap. DM it to um, the Wrestling History X Twitter. And uh, we'll send you out a logo magnet. There's only a handful of them, so you know. We'll, we'll let you know whether whether you've got any left. Yes. But get on it. Who doesn't want a fridge magnet? What are, mag- what are fridges, refrigerators for? Keeping things cold? Cold magnets. That's right. Those, that's pretty much what I use <laughs> refrigerators for. Yeah, absolutely. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns. Ooh, where are we going next? We are going to Indiana. 
If you've ever been to Indiana, let me know what you had. Let me know what's good. Food, drink, snacks, desserts, places to go, people to see. Yeah, tell me, tell me what you know about Indiana. Slide into the DM, shoot us a, a little shout out on, on Twitter, an email, something. Let me know, because I've been doing this little culinary trip now for almost 200 episodes or <laughs> something like that. What episode was this one? 222. 222, and I started on number 65 or 66. So yeah, we've, uh, we've really gone to some while. places and doing some things and eating some food and drinking some beverages, and I need some assistance. So if you've got something that fits in Indianapolis or the Buried Alive theme of In Your House, if there's something that you've made in your house that you think I should try... What is it called? The Let dirt, us know. dirt worms or whatever. Dirt worms. A cup of worms or whatever. That thing. It's good. <laughs> Sorry, I know. It's just one of those. Chocolate like, whipped cream, uh, crushed up Oreos, gummy, gummy worms. worms. Uh-huh. What more do you need? Yeah. Damn. Do, do you get that? Good idea. Get it after uh, after nap time. <laughs> but you can send any of those things to our email at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistorex. That's wrestling h i s t o. Next. Throw it up for the gangsters. We'll talk to you next week. Later.